Welcome to the Philocrosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philocrosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the in-season podcast with PLL Chaos head coach and my friend, Andy Towers. AT, so fired up to be back. It's been a year hiatus from talking lacrosse and talking college lacrosse. Uh, how you doing? I'm above average. As uh, usual. Still, yeah, still. I'm still above average. But you got to wonder, like, how many times can you be above average and then have it actually say, as usual? Because that would actually imply average, wouldn't it? That would. It's kind of a contradiction. Well, it is. A, it's a slight play on words, as George Carlin would say, the late, great George Carlin would say. <laughs> how have you been, um, most importantly? How have you been? I know you did a lot of traveling. A lot between. of traveling, man. Two kids in their fifth years. Uh, so I've been in, in uh, between ASU and Georgetown. Um, lots of good lacrosse, lots of fun lacrosse. Not coaching this year, so that's like been a little bit of a low, uh, lighten my load a little bit. But um but yeah, working hard and enjoying it. And um, I'm really fired up to be back doing this. I mean, honestly, AT, I don't know how you felt about it. Like I've always enjoyed this, but going like 16 weeks of the same conversation wasn't as fun. I think we're like starting it up mid-season here is perfect. And I hope you're fired up for it too. Yeah, the only way you can really have 16 weeks of the same conversation is if you're married to that person. <laughs> <laughs> then it's okay. Uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm pumped too. I'm not coaching high school lacrosse either. I, uh, I stepped down from the St. Luke's storm in December because I didn't want to miss any of James Towers' uh, games because he's a ninth grader at McKinnon High School. And, uh, and I got to be honest, like I love having the spring wide open. First time probably in uh, about 30 years, really. Yeah. 
Sweet. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of fun. I'm sure you'll uh, itch to get back at it sometime, but you'll be back before you know it with the chaos, by the way. Uh, an official congratulations from the uh, podcast um, for winning the championship. That. How freaking sick was that, by the way? Uh, it was it was awesome, man. I mean, it was uh, I appreciate it. Um, it was it was great. You know, I mean, uh, what was particularly satisfying about it was the fact that um, we figured out about two thirds of the way through the season that we were starting to uh, really have an identity on the defensive end and in between the lines and the offensive end was sort of the last thing to kick in. And I don't know if you remember, but we had an immense amount of problems as it related to uh, the border and COVID and we have a ton of Canadians on our team and that created a lot of availability problems, particularly through training camp and through the first half of the season. Yep. Uh, to compound the issue, we had an exorbitant amount of injuries in training camp and over the first you know, third to half of the season. And so we really didn't have all the pieces to even see how they could potentially go together until – we sort of headed out West to, to, to Colorado and we still have some unanswered questions uh, on the offensive end. We knew who we were on the defensive end at that point. Um, but the last sort of place for it to play out was, was on the right side within our offense. And, um, and we, we found those pieces in Albany and ultimately were able to ride that connectivity uh, in a way that allowed us to get better and better throughout the playoffs, really prioritizing ahead of everything else, um, you know, putting guys on the field that were we guys that 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 were good with their role, whatever their role was. And some people got to play the role that they wanted to play and other people did not. Um, but anybody that was in the lineup for us and some guys that weren't in the lineup for us down the stretch were, were 100% we guys. And I think it goes to show that uh, teamwork uh, wins out at any level in regardless of uh, anything except uh, maybe fishing and golf. Then I guess you could be selfish. In golden tea. In golden tea. Yep. You definitely have to be selfish there. You got to play for yourself. You got to trust your instincts, right? And you got to pick the right clubs based on the course that you're playing. Otherwise, you'll never even have a chance to get to Vegas, which is where all of us bangers. Well, teamwork and team play and depth is a great segue into talking about college lacrosse. Yeah. And, um, why don't we kick this conversation off with the University of Maryland, who have established themselves as as a number one team in the country in, in a very um, uh, with authority? Uh, great suggestion. You know, you look at the media polls that come out and Maryland is clearly the number one team in the country and deservedly. So I have them as a standalone number one. I kind of looked at the media poll today just before we started this and, and sort of broke that poll up into pieces um, based on, on where I thought they were. Um, and I have Maryland as the number one team as a standalone based on the spanking that they administered really to everybody 
um, most recently to Penn State, but but to Virginia the week before that. And what jumps out at me about this team, um, you know, is is just how balanced they are. Um, you got to hand it to John Tillman and his staff. I mean, they do such an unbelievable job of identifying the right people for their program and their locker room. You know, there's obviously more and more players these days that have eligibility left, and they're kind of looking at the same sort of six to seven, eight, nine schools to do their last year at, you know, after they graduate and seeing that that can't be at Ivy League schools because of the Ivy League rules. You know, Maryland's one of these landing spots, but these guys did such a good job on the call last night during the Big Ten broadcast of the Penn State-Maryland game, addressing the fact that John Tillman um, doesn't seem to make mistakes on guys that he adds to their program. And these guys have made Maryland better and more dangerous. And for uh, a coach to be able to identify that before they get to campus is obviously critical to integrating those guys into the locker room in a seamless way when they get to campus. And he's done it better than anybody so far. And what a job Bobby Benson's been doing, man. I mean, that guy, like, um, I thought he did a great job with the offense when he was at Hopkins. I always felt like they moved the ball incredibly well. They moved without the ball. They shared the ball. And their offense is generally produced. And, and uh, he sort of stepped in with his experience into what Tills wanted him to do. It's a little bit of a different offense, but it looks very similar. The way they move the ball and the way they their shot selection um, is just phenomenal. This is what I love about Maryland. I agree with you 100%. Bobby's done an awesome job, and he's been a great addition to Maryland. Um, and, and schematically, you, you can't help but like what they do because they're putting up astronomical numbers. But I think above and beyond even the scheme itself, is the discipline in the decision-making that the players have in real time. Yeah. Like when was the last time you saw Maryland take a bad shot? One bad shot. When was the last time? I, I, three years ago? Like it, it was unbelievable. You got national player of the year last year in Jared Bernhardt. And it looked like at any time he could have gone out and scored 10 to 14 points a game. Right. That's what it looked like. Yet. It was so obvious that he never went out and was point chasing. And that same dynamic of unselfishness is just as prevalent in this year's team as it was in last year's team. And it really is a credit to Bobby Benson and to Tills, but also to the players. No you know? doubt. These guys have just bought into the fact that they're more dangerous as a group staying within the framework of their scheme and, and within the framework of their desired decision-making, um, you know, than anything else. And it, and it, and it, what it's done is it's, it's made them appear unbeatable when they win face-offs. Um, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can go the distance. It, it certainly seems like they're on track to do that, but we all know how difficult it is to do that, particularly, um, you know, with the challenge of when you win, you're fighting complacency and they do a lot of winning. And you got to believe that that uh, 
complacency piece has got to be addressed with this team perpetually, or who knows, maybe they don't talk about it at all. And they are just head down, grinded out business as usual and stay in the moment, but nobody's playing better than this team. No. And you know, the pressure at the end is tough. I mean, last year, I think they could have won the national championship if Bernhard had shot well. He just didn't. He just had an off shooting day. I thought he took his normally good shots. You know, he he was getting shots off that he wanted and just ended up being I don't know whatever it was two for twelve. You know, that's almost like what it's going to take for somebody to be able to knock these guys off. Is they turn it over, they don't win face off, so they just don't shoot particularly well. But right now, man, they're looking good. I mean, I I did you watch the Virginia game? Because we're going to talk about Virginia next. I would say, but but you know, twenty three to twelve. Wow, I did. I I, I did see the Virginia game. Uh, 23 to 12 is certainly no gray area. Either is up 18 to three on Penn State after three quarters. You know, they are just absolutely uh, kicking the door down on these other phenomenal programs. Uh, you know, it's not like they're kicking the doors down on teams that are outside of the top 20. They're kicking the doors down on the unanimous number two team in the country. And they, uh, again, you know, they're, they're getting it everywhere. They've got great balance. We spoke about their offense. You know, their face-off guy doesn't get enough credit for being in the conversation as one of the very best, probably top four guys in the whole country, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the balance they have where they're scary on the defensive end as well. They've got guys that can match up and cover and take out the best offensive players, uh, you know, on the rosters of their opponents, and you can't look at this team and say there's a deficiency. You know, McEnany, the goal, playing great. Face-off group, great. Midfielders, great. D-mids, great. Unselfish offense, connected defensively. And the temperament of Tills and Bobby and, and, and the communications that come out, like not only do their guys never take a bad shot, it always also seems like, Every quote that comes out of John Tillman's mouth is humble, understated, you know, deflective of credit. Um, he absorbs the blame proactively. I mean, what a what an unbelievable dynamic yeah. they have uh, going on down there right now. All right, let's turn the page and talk a little bit about Virginia. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think they're clearly the number two team based on their body of work. You know, you look at them, they got an awful lot of talent as well, but they're a little top-heavy, I think. You know, clearly it doesn't take a genius to see that Matt Moore and Schellenberger are the ones that drive that offensive bus. But let's talk about Xander Dixon. I mean, he really is playing like a first-team All-American midfielder for them. And I know they have some other great parts as well with Cormier and Schutz and um, Garneau and some of these other guys, but – the balance that Maryland has on the offensive end, I think, makes them harder to cover overall yeah. than sort of two-headed monster with supporting cast that Virginia has. And Maryland has the, the, the defenders to be able to make it harder on Schellenberger more than most teams do. Um, but this is a team that if they're winning face-offs, they're going to put goals up on anybody and everybody. I just don't think they have the same amount of balance on the offensive end um, or across the board as a team. I don't think defensively they're as strong as Maryland is. Mm -hmm. um, Nunez is a great goalie. I, I would say he's probably playing on par with, uh, with McEnany, the Maryland goalie. But just 
I, I just feel like there's not the same amount of, of, of balance back to front at Virginia that, that there is at Maryland. It seems to me that, you know, I don't disagree with you. There's, there, there's a lot more guys. If you look at this, if you look at the scoring, you know, there's a lot more people in double digit points with Maryland and, and real balance there, but they have, Virginia has, has kind of ridden, you know, six guys to two consecutive national championships. And I, I do think it's on the defensive side where, you know, if they can, if they can get more solid that they can make a real run at it. I mean, I, to me, I think that you, at the end of the day, their offense is going to be good enough to score goals on anybody, um, despite the fact they may not have as much balance. But, the, you know, with, with Schellenberger and Matt Moore and, I mean, Schutz has been what, what a f- freshman he is. Just an absolute beast with poise. And like you said, uh, Xander Dixon and Cormier and all these guys. But um, if you think back to when they won the championship in 2019, you know, it was kind of a two-headed monster of, of dodging also, you know, with, with some midfielders that you could argue are – in the same ballpark as what we got here, but defensively, what's your take on Virginia? Obviously they lost, they lost uh, a lot to graduation and they've got some, some studs, but maybe they just have to put that together because giving up 23 goals is kind of unheard of for a Virginia program. I would say. Yeah. That's, that's going to be received like a big stake on Lars's plate. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) What I was going to say, what I think, and this is one of the things I said to my brother when I was talking about this after we were discussing the game, is you know I'm not sure Maryland can get a lot better. You know, M- Maryland is is playing like as well as you could possibly play in all facets of the game. Yeah. Virginia is going to get a lot better. You know, I'm not sure there's a staff in the country that does a better job at moving their team along than Lars and, and, and his guys, you know, that, that, that staff does such an unbelievable job of identifying weaknesses and addressing them and fixing them and eliminating them as something that, you know, resurfaces later on. And I see Virginia having uh, a much greater ability to get better across the board. And honestly, I don't, I don't know if anybody does it, better than Lars does. You don't win two national championships back to back the way that they have in, and in both seasons, each time we were in April talking about how Virginia is probably going to get beat the first round or don't look good. They don't look scary or dangerous and and only to see them come together at the right time and get it done when it matters most. And so I'm, I'm not worried about Virginia either. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Georgetown. Seven and one, played a played a legit schedule. Um, yeah, had a hiccup against Princeton, where they played pretty good defense, but they just turned it over too many times to win the game. And Princeton obviously has proven themselves to be legit. Uh, what's your take on this team? Uh, this team, uh, you know, I have this team in a group of six teams that I think are sort of that next group. So I, when I look at the top 20, I got Maryland as a standalone one. I got Virginia as a standalone two. And then I got six teams that I think, you know, are all kind of in that, uh, you know, three through eight category. Georgetown, I think, is probably the best of those six. I just think Georgetown has everything. Very similar to Maryland. They've got a dominant faceoff guy. They've got arguably the best goalie in the country. They've got two unbelievable cover guys at close they've got dynamic short stick d midi 
maybe the best in the country in Geddes. And they've got balance on offense and they go, you know, seemingly, uh, you know, nine, eight or nine players deep. And so this is absolutely a team that can win the national championship. It's definitely a final four team, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and I think perhaps what it has going for it um, this year that it hasn't had in years past is they're coming off of, you know, two or three years of a great success, winning the Big East, dethroning Denver as the premier team in the Big East. This is a team that's ready for that next step. And as long as they don't stumble and fall, you got to believe that they're going to go into the tournament with a top four seed, which will put them in a different bracket than Maryland, Virginia. And I think maximizes their chances to get to the final four. And, uh, you know, this is absolutely a team that could beat Virginia and could beat Maryland. There's not a lot out of them that there's not a lot of teams out there that could do that, but this is a team that can do that and can do it, Jamie, playing, uh, you know, up and down really fast tempo or slow or slowing it down. You know, this team has it all. Yeah, I would, I would agree. You know, I've watched them a lot, obviously. Um, I, I think what they have that's going to be able to allow them to compete with the best is that they can just defend people. I mean, their, their defense is, was already great and they added Will Bowen and, you know, the goalkeeping in Owen McElroy off the charts, Will Bowen off the charts. Gibson Smith was an all American last year. Um, Donaldson is an unbelievable cover guy. Um, Mazzone is, is their long stick midi, dynamic, athletic. Um, and they got, they got, they got guys, their reserves coming in are, are excellent. And like you said, they're shorties, you know, led by Geddes, but they got, they got legit shorties. How about James Riley? Yes. You know, James Riley, James Riley is he just goes like, head to head with Sisselberger this weekend. And I know the numbers were slightly in Sisselberger's favor. You know, he might have won three more faceoffs than Riley did out of the 29 or 30 that they that they took. Um, but James Riley is, is one of the top four faceoff guys no in the country. You know, there's no, no question doubt. about it. You know, and 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 it's um and, and, and to the to the point you made earlier where they've just sort of been on this, this is what you know teams usually have to do is usually have to you know, suffer a few losses along the way, whether it was the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls or anybody, you got to like, you, 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 you build on one season to the next. And, and this is probably what they're hoping for here. They lost to Virginia last year, but it, it, it must be noted that James Riley won the first face off of that game, got injured on that play and was out for the game. And it, and then Virginia was a buzzsaw anyways last year, but without winning a face off, it made it really hard. So yeah, they've got they've got a lot to prove. Um, I, I I I had you know I had Virginia, I had Georgetown beating Virginia in the quarters last year, and if Riley hadn't gotten beat, um, I'm still confident that they would have, uh, you know, been right there. I think they would have won. I, I I really do. The one thing that concerns me about this Georgetown team, and it's not really their fault, uh, you know, I kind of look at their schedule and I look at the Big East being down, you know, uh, and I worry that they will not have played enough really good teams in the second half of the season. And I perceive that as being a, putting them at a little bit of a disadvantage that way, not too dissimilar to our 91 team at Brown that, that went 13 and 0 was number two in the country. And we play Maryland in the playoffs and we, and we lose. And, and it yeah. was kind of like, Oh, 
you know, we felt like we were as good as anybody. We had a great team, but I just think that there is a toughness and a confidence that you get from playing really, really good competition. And certainly the teams in the ACC and in the Big Ten, and certainly in the Ivy League this year, without a doubt, which may be the best conference overall, yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. You know, I just don't see that out of the Big East this year. You know, usually you have, you know, three teams in the Big East. And I, and I look at Georgetown as a sort of standalone team. Denver, you know, it's hard to really figure out who Denver is um, so far. But Providence is down. Marquette is down. St. John's is way down. Villanova is, is having, you know, kind of their typical year, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but Providence is also down. And so I see that as being something that, you know, Kevin Warren and, and these guys are going to have to, sort of manage that a little bit. And, and, I, and I'm not sure exactly how you do yeah. that. I mean, the only way you manage it is just, you know, win the games in front of you. And they got Denver this weekend at Denver. Uh, so it's a home game for me. Fired up about that. But, um, hey, uh, the, the one point I want to make about this team that I think is really interesting is that, you know, all right, so Graham Bunny Jr. is playing phenomenal. Watson, the lefty Canadian. Trippy really having an amazing season transfer yeah. from Carolina and just – Declan McDermott has, you know, in the second half of last year, stepped it up and he's built on that. It's TJ Haley that I think is going to be going to give them a massive boost. Um, last year he had, I think his stats were like five and 49. Yeah. Freshman 49 assists as a freshman. Now he, in the beginning, in the beginning of this year, he had, you know, some acute appendicitis or something and, and he didn't practice the entire preseason. He didn't practice until the week before Penn. So he missed the Hopkins game and started up and uh, that game. And against Lehigh, he finally started to look. He's a big boy. He's like 6'2", 215. That guy can dodge. And finally, he has got his legs underneath him. He's always got great vision. And he had his typical two and four stat line, which is going to be huge because I feel like midfield-wise, finishing-wise, ball movement-wise, team play, defensively, face-offs, all that stuff. But they needed that attackman that could actually like really put pressure on against your other the other team's best guy. And to be able to get those easy goals to make the team slide in the feeds. So I think it's kind of. Yeah, I I agree. Listen, you know, uh, he makes everybody better as an off ball player and they got a lot of goal scorers. Um, But I I agree with you. He's he's a critical piece to their success. No question. You talked about the Ivy League. Penn's fourth on the on the um, IL uh, rankings list that we're sort of looking at here. why don't we Why don't we talk about Penn and talk a little bit about the Ivy League as we go? Yeah, I mean, totally. So, uh, you know, as I referenced, I kind of had this top twenty broken up into into different groups of teams, and ironically, I got four Ivy League teams in my third group here. Um, you know, I, I had Georgetown in that group, and I had Rutgers in that group, but I also have Princeton, Penn, Cornell, and Yale. I mean, I can't remember ever the Ivy League being this balanced. You know, you got Harvard, who's having a great season. You got Brown, who has lost two tough games, one to UMass on Saturday and to Harvard the week before by a goal. Um, You know, but I can't remember a season where the Ivy League was this good. I mean, even Dartmouth is has improved drastically. And so, you know, you look at Penn losing to Princeton, but they beat Cornell. I mean, every team out of those four are all one and one in the league right now. And there's no let off, 
the accelerator. I mean, uh, you know, it is a it is a total war. Um, and, and and I'm not so sure, even though Penn is four here, you know, you could argue why, <laughs> you know, Princeton should be ahead of them. And um, but Penn, very similar to the other great teams that we've discussed to this point, really is pretty balanced. You know, their their defense is playing well, it seems like. Um, or at least played well for most of the game against Cornell. You know, there, there wasn't really much defense played at all during the Princeton game. But their faceoff guy did really well against Petrakis from Cornell, who's one of the better guys out there. Birkinshaw played a great game, maybe his best in a Penn uniform right there on Saturday against Cornell. Obviously, they've got Sam Hanley, who is a matchup nightmare for anyone and everyone. And it sounds like from reading Murphy's comments after the game that, that he's finally healthy, um, you know, and, and he's got the supporting cast of, of goal scorers. You got the athletic player in Shipley. They're just, they're a really scary team. I mean, Penn, Penn could win the national championship as well. No question about it. No doubt. Um, did you watch the Princeton Yale game? Uh, I sure did. Thoughts? It, yeah. I mean, I was a little shocked to see that Sandoval uh, beat up the Yale kid at the X. You know, I, I, I thought that um, based on how the Yale kid did against the Cornell kid, I thought that that would be a, you know, an area of the game where Yale would win. Um, I'm not surprised to see Yale win the game. I, I'm not, I'm frankly surprised at, at how well Princeton's playing, you know, Yale, they won the national championship, what, four years ago. They lost in the championship game three years ago. This is a team that's loaded with great players, uh, great young players, and they've got some great older players. But but I, I'm not surprised by Yale's success in any way. But I am a little surprised by Princeton's success. And Princeton, you know, played an unbelievable game. They just, they just couldn't get over uh, – you know, at the, at the very, very end. And, and that was the difference, but credit Yale for a disappointing start to their season and to yeah. bounce back and beat Princeton. That's, you know, that, that had a lot of pressure in that game. I mean, the, the, the pressure I think was on Princeton in that game, even though Yale was playing at home and, and had lost to Cornell and had lost to Penn state. I just feel like that put the pressure on Princeton and Yale was able to capitalize. Yeah, no doubt. And then, and, uh, Brandau was an absolute beast in that game. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, Brandau is clearly becoming, uh, or let's not say becoming, I mean, Glenda, Brandau was clearly one of the best attackmen, one of the nine best guys out there, I think. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the success of Leo Johnson is undeniable. I mean, he gives them a dodge and score threat. He's great off ball. Uh, he rides really hard. You know, he gives, he gives them a, a, a great secondary punch to Matt Brandau, and then they're rolling out, you know, two good midfields. Um, you know, this is this is a, a, a team full of loaded players, and we just haven't seen them play for a few years, so they're just not, you know, at the forefront of our minds the way that some of the offensive players at these other programs that have played through COVID are. Uh, but this is also a team that could win the national championship. Both of those teams are very athletic. And I think that's, the, that's really one of the things that, that, that Princeton has done is um, they've gotten more athletic. 
Okay, so they've they've always had a lot of good skill guys, right? And they could score goals. But then, like uh, defensively and in the midfield and in in, in transition stuff, I mean, they look fast now. They um, do. They and, do. And, so and, I know for a fact they've been working with my man Tony Holler and Feed the Cats, and they've made a they have prioritized speed in their program, and um, and it's the same thing you're hearing a lot of these guys. Yale's been doing that for years. They have prioritized developing athleticism and speed. Yale is just big and athletic and fast and tough. And Princeton um, is right there. I, you know, I think Princeton, again, I think they have really good balance and they also have a lot of good, really young players too. Uh, I think the key to Princeton's success so far has been the surprise success of Sandoval, the X, but the, the biggest piece they have is uh, the goalie. You know, to me, he's playing like a, like a first team all American. I, I think, I think honestly, I think McElroy at Virginia's or at, at uh, Georgetown is the best goalie. But this kid for Princeton is, is right there. I mean, he's as good as anybody is. Um, and if, if he can continue to play at this level throughout the season, he's, he's going to give him a chance to, to win the national championship. Good enough, good enough. You know, I don't know if you recall, but he, he was playing great at the end of 2020. You know, when I they do. Virginia, he had a huge game, maybe 17 saves. And he did the same thing against Georgetown when they knocked Georgetown off. And that kid, uh, he's a Colorado boy. Uh, he grew up in the same, this, you know, uh, town that I live in, actually. So, yeah, well, he's tearing it up. He is tearing it up. Um, before we move on to Rutgers, let's just uh, hit on Cornell a little bit. So thoughts on Cornell? Yeah, I think Cornell, um, you know, not too dissimilar to the other Ivy League teams that we've discussed here. You know, they got a, a, a proven goaltender that I think is a difference maker in Erland. They've got uh, a better than usual faceoff guy for them. You know, as much success as Cornell has had as a program over the years, you know, they're, they're sort of notoriously weak at that position, save a couple of seasons when John Glenn and, and uh, Max Seabald were there. And, and I think Petrakis has done a good job for them, but he got beat up by the Yale kid. Um, he got beat up by the Penn kid this weekend. And, you know, that's an area that, that could be a little concerning when they play against the top six to eight teams in the country. Yeah. You know, it, it's one thing to go 45% and sort of eliminate lack of face-off success as a reason why you would lose the game. It's another when you get beat, you know, 70% of the time. Then, yeah. it's, then it's a reason why you're getting beat. Yeah. But I think their offense is uh, is very dangerous. You know, they have a few stars, but they also have a great supporting cast. They're continuing to make the extra pass on the offensive end the way they did when Pete Milliman was there. Um, you know, they got sort of that alpha stopper in Adler. He really impressed me, even though Sam Hanley had a, had a very good game for Penn. He still really impressed me and is a, a big-time defensive player. Uh, I think probably one of the best six in the country um, in what I've seen so far in Adler. And let's face it, just the, the culture of that program, they out hustle you, they out tough you. You know, if, if there is a team in the league that is perhaps the most blue collar team each year, it's Cornell and, and they're playing that way. And they obviously have a great one goal win over Yale. They have a tough four goal loss over Penn where they didn't play very well, but you know, they uh, they still got three other four of the pretty high quality wins, I think. And, and this is a team that is absolutely in the mix as well. Good balance on offense. Three out of their top four scorers are Jersey guys, AT. 
Yeah, I mean, um, they they do a good job of identifying talent, and, and yeah. similar to the way John Tillman uh, has been at Maryland, they seem to find the right guys for their program. Me too. They just keep doing it, and you got to credit, you know, Connor Busick and and Stevens, those guys just do a, do a great job of that. But this is this is a program that and a team that doesn't beat itself. You know, Piatelli. Yeah. Piatelli is such a good X guy, you know, his, his balance of being able to score and feed. And dog he's a, he's a star. He's a, he's a top nine attackman too. He is. He is. I mean, the, the thing is um, there's like 15 top nine attack. There are. Yeah. And, and, um, and cursed such a slick lefty. Such and speaking a- of all those Jersey guys, let's talk a little bit about nine and one Rutgers. I mean, how about the, uh, the win yesterday uh, over Ohio state? I, I mean, I, I could have, foreseen them winning but not the way they won yeah you know i i gotta be honest i actually thought ohio state would win the game i thought ignacio would win the face-offs and uh you know is it dedunia or how, I don't, how do you say that kid's name uh the face-off guy for for Rutgers is a stud i thought he was going to get beat up and i thought that Rutgers would struggle to stop ohio state even though they had the advantage in the goal and cursed, in my opinion, who's, who's one of the best, you know, four or five goalies in the country. I just thought that Ohio state would win the faceoffs, and, and, and I thought their offense was going to be too much given an advantage at the X, but it actually went the other way and Rutgers won the faceoffs, and Ohio state couldn't stop Rutgers. Um, if Brian Brecht, Eric Saramet, those guys don't get enough credit, Jamie, um, you know, they've, they've been great for the last four or five years, but this team right here looks to be like the best one they've had out of those years and playing with a lot of confidence. And now they got Hopkins, who I just – I see them steamrolling Hopkins. They're going to play Maryland, which is – I think they're going to end up giving Maryland the toughest game of the year, which is easy to say when Maryland just beat Virginia by nine goals, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. um, but this team is for real. Yeah, and, and you're right because when you say that Coach Brecht and Sermon have done such a good job, they they have been on the verge of, you know, they won a playoff game last year, and it, feel, it feels like they've just been building and building, even though when they got a little bit shafted a couple times, uh, or or seemingly so, uh, not making the NCAA tournament when they were sort of right there beating teams that were in the field. Um, but the fact that they're just better now it's kind of like when indy shade did at yale where they're like yeah yale's pretty good yeah yale's pretty good yale's good actually yale's actually good yale's getting really good and then they win a national championship and they're on a trajectory of improvement they they are i mean they are and in the big 10 with new guys you know what what I mean? with new guys with, with new, new guys. guys yeah i mean they graduated a ton of four-year all-american offensive players that were phenomenal and sharon Beatty's and you know, Mullins and some of these other guys, but they also have done a great job of integrating uh, grad year guys into their program. And they've made a huge difference, particularly on the offensive end on this team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, All right. So that's your standalone number one, standalone number two, your next six. Yep. Let's, because we've been on for over an hour. Let's get boring. That can get boring. It can. It can get a little boring for 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 you. Speed it up. Let's speed it up for the kids. Speed it up. All right. So, um, just give me um, thirty seconds on on the next. Um, yeah. So my next one. My next group of four. Um, you know, I, I have UNC, 
Ohio State, Jacksonville, Harvard, Army, BU. I think that, you know, all of those teams have, you know, a good win or two um, and maybe a bad loss or two. I, I just don't have them on the same level as the group ahead of them, you know, which, which really doesn't have any bad losses. Um, you know, I, I could potentially put UNC in that first group, but I just, I don't like the, the beating that they took from Ohio State. Yeah. They didn't play Bellarmine very well this past weekend. And while the score ended up looking great, they did need, you know, eight goals in the fourth quarter to, to, to cement that win. So that concerns me a little bit. I, I feel like Carolina is a little too dependent on Chris Gray right now on the offensive end. Uh, you know, and let's face it, you know, Bowen transfers to Georgetown. That hurts. They have some inexperience on the defensive end and their faceoff guys at times have been great. At times haven't been great. Uh, yeah. They've got the ingredients and certainly the coaching staff to, to, to become somebody that can win the championship at the end. But I think they have, um, some clear areas where they, they need to get better, obviously, and, and, and create an identity. Um, you know, but that's kind of what I have as the next six teams. Yeah, and as far as um, Ohio State, they looked so good when they hammered Carolina. Myers was yeah. the Tuareton finalist. And what, why are they cooling down? You know, honestly, I, I think you got to look at the teams that they've played. I mean, they – go out they they beat Notre Dame right they uh beat North Carolina they beat Harvard so they've got some great wins some really good legitimate wins yeah but they lose to I think sort of a down year Denver team um but we'll see what happens with Denver here um you know they don't have a bad loss they've lost Denver's pretty good man I mean, you know they, they, they got some players yeah, they, listen, this is a very scary team. I just I just feel like they, you know, I, I need to see a little bit more of them before I feel great about them. You know, for this team to really be, to be hitting on all songs, they're going to win face-offs, you know, and if you lose face-offs against a good offensive team like they did against Rutgers, you're going to probably lose. And uh, so they don't have a bad loss. I, I, you know, this, this, is, this is a good team. Like Carolina, you know, Ohio State and, and Carolina could easily be in that, that next group up. You know, when you talk about a down year, you know, is, is losing to Jacksonville, why, why it feels that way? Or is Jacksonville for real? I mean, obviously they've got some, some huge wins. Um, yeah. But I you believe that they are for real down the stretch or are they just able to sort of put it together against? I, I don't, I think there's no question that Jacksonville is for real. There's no question. Very, very similar to High Point, you know, a few years ago when High Point went and beat Virginia and beat Duke. And, yeah. you know, uh, this team is has proven, you know, you could look at the Duke game and be like, wow, yeah, well, Duke was looking past him. But then they came back and they beat Virginia three games later. And then and, oh, and pounding teams, you know, I, and, and Utah is a lot better than than we think they you know, are, or a lot better than the sort of lacrosse world thinks they are. And they play a unique style. style. You know, that's a scary team, Utah, in the way that they yeah. play, you know. Um, and so I think that Jacksonville is absolutely um, a legitimate top 15 team. Uh, and beating Denver at Denver is no uh, easy feat ever. No, beating Bill Tierney and, and, and Matt Brown and, 
you know, all the great players that, that they have in their program, that's, it's a phenomenal win in addition to Duke. But I do think that Duke is starting to look a little directionless here. They don't look connected. They don't look good defensively. They don't look organized offensively. It doesn't look like they know what they want offensively. And yeah, they have a ton of talent, um, but they did not look good up in the dome. And, you know, so, so that win could lose some luster for Jacksonville. I think it's fair to have them in the fourth group. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I think the Ivy League is 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 the uh, the ACC of 2022. I mean, they're they're the ones who's you know I was watching reading some tweets from Patrick McEwen from Lax Film Room, and he made a point that you know usually once the once the uh, um, conference play starts. The, the ACC just benefits from playing each other and their RP go, RPI goes up, win or lose. Right. That's not going to happen for the ACC this spring, but it is going to happen for the Ivy League. because Yeah, the ACC, you got Virginia, I think, at the top at 3-0. and You've got, I believe, the next three teams at 1-1. One and one. And then I think you have Notre Dame, uh, you know, in the last – in last place there. And, and we know Notre Dame's a scary team, but they're, they don't have anything yet. You know, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame is scary. I mean, they had a solid win over Michigan and um, you know, they've got losses to, 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 to good teams. You know, you look at Duke and it's like, well, Duke's got eight wins, but they really haven't, I'm not sure they've beaten anybody yet. Be no, I don't, I don't think Notre Dame, I mean, let's see what happens with Michigan. Michigan got out to a great start this season. What they do start the season seven or no, something like that. But then they got kind of beaten up by Harvard Yep. Uh, you know, they lost to Notre Dame, who's having a down season. They lose to Hopkins. That's a bad loss for Michigan, yeah. you know, and, and they had some pressure on them coming into that game. And, but so does Hopkins. And, Hopkins. you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a game this past weekend that Michigan needed to win to cement themselves as a player. I'm not a buyer of Michigan yet. I, I, I know they got good players and I know that they're, uh, you know, have been playing well, but they gotta they gotta get some some wins over some you know some top twenty teams. And Jerry Byrne has gone out and he's he's gotten some wins over some top twenty teams. Yes, and Michigan, I, I just don't I just don't I don't think their body of work demands respect yet when we're talking about the top twenty teams in the country. No doubt. All right, at. Let's cut it off there. We're going to be able to do this uh, down the stretch here. Talk a lot of lacrosse about all these teams. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting storylines. Um, have an awesome week. Thanks for coming back on. Fired up to be doing this. And um, we'll uh, catch you next week. Sounds good. Always right, good to hang. I'll check in. Great work. Right. Cool. Peace. Bye-bye.